0: But Steve Rogers is dead. His girlfriend killed his... No, yeah. His girlfriend murdered his ass. Which arm is metal?
1: There you go. We are just geeking out and making up haikus, Matthew. That's About it. who? Uh, let's see. We did Batman, the Joker, and Captain America.
2: Yes. All arms are metal. Yeah if you were once bucky burma shave
1: (laughs) you still need two more syllables
2: (laughs) Uh, ass clown
1: (laughs) i'm matthew i'm rodrigo and i'm steven and you're listening to the major spoilers podcast the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. The Major Spoilers podcast
0: covers news, reviews, and of course spoilers, and we'll go into detail about the topics we discuss. So if you
2: haven't read, listened to, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. This week in the mixing bowl, the as your bug is out of a home, and so's the giant squid, and so's the rat man. But for a change of pace, Batman fights the Joker. Kirk gets his ride pimped, Constantine gets his groove back, and Rodrigo ends up sword fighting his way past the palace guard and riding out of town in style. Only end up huddling in an inn while a reality storm passes overhead. Or maybe that was Clericon of Fairy, I don't remember. Either way... <laughs> Ladles and jelly spoons, we've gathered our forces, our geekery is at its maximum for the last battle against Darkseid and his no-life equation, comics plus the internet plus online gaming, divided by limited free time minus no storage space equals no life, and the major spoilers podcast is on the air. You also forgot three nerds running a podcast in the <laughs> anti-life equation. Three nerds running a podcast? Is that a haiku? It probably could be. Three, three nerds running a... Three online nerd no. guys. Running a podcast of stuff. That's freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, ladies and gentlemen,
1: you have missed an exciting 30 minutes of pre-show fun at the Major Spoilers headquarters. As we whipped out haiku after haiku. Yep. Because that's exactly what we do. I think I'm starting to sound like Dr. Seuss. So let's move on. Oh, big news this week, guys. Where should we start? Oh, man.
2: Uh, Let's start where I'm irritated about the squid.
1: Okay. Uh, It was announced this past week. Well, it was confirmed this past week by director Zack Snyder that uh, the Watchmen movie, where people had seen these early preview showings of the movie that didn't feature a giant squid, and everyone's like, Oh, this is just a studio trick. No, Zack Snyder is saying, No giant squid. Oh, oh, incidentally, you guys, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we already put that up uh, before. Yeah. Now, look, I- this is this is the whole point of the movie, I thought, was that here, you know, uh, the comedian is killed because he saw something in a flyover, mm-hmm. and all these scientists, artists, physici- physicists, all these people are disappearing around the world, and it turns right. out at the end, Ozzie Davis is putting all this together to create this weird... Psychic alien attack so that the world will bond together as one mm-hmm. instead of killing, killing, each, killing other. each other with nuclear bombs. That That's the whole point of the countdown, the clock, mm-hmm. in the Watchmen movie. And so now without yes. the squid, there's no reason to be kidnapping artists and scientists and physicists and poets. And there's probably nothing that the comedian flew over. So there's no reason to kill him, which means there's no reason for Rorschach to go tracking down his murder, which n- leads to bigger conspiracies. So what's this movie going to be about, Matthew?
2: Uh, It's going to be about
1: two hours long. (laughs) Two hours and 45 minutes long.
2: It's going to be about this wide and about this tall and about this country about which we're singing about. Oh, never mind. Here's the problem that I have with Killing the Squid. Okay, People have Explained for years. Peter David, notably, has said that Watchmen falls apart in the third act because of the unbelievability of the squid.
1: Well, how is that so unbelievable? I mean, there has been this great, uh, uh, what what was the Outer Limits episode, Architects of Fear, that's exactly the third act of Watchmen.
2: And it, that's kind of the point to, to Watchmen. And I think, well, when you look at it from this is a realistic take on superheroes who have runs in their tights and kickity-kick-kick kick and whatever they do, the, there are people who believe that having this quote-unquote alien monster undermines the reality of the story.
1: It's a guy but, flying around in an owl suit and a guy with a mask that changes shape. Here's here's what I... I can see it. I, I think...
0: Honestly, we might they might be saying well the squid's out of the picture. I think the the squid might just be replaced by say something like a spaceship or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think they're actually going to do it to where there's some nuclear explosion or particle weapon that goes off and it right. has the same energy signature as uh as um do- Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan, so people are like, "Oh, here's this guy who thinks he's a god who could destroy any of, any of us." Let's rally around the destruction of Dr. Manhattan instead, Mm. which might be a little bit... I mean, it probably works in the film, mm -hmm. but I kind of agree with Matthew that this sucks.
2: It it loses some of the nuance, some of the best portions of the story. One of my favorite moments in Watchmen is the moment where the the writer, Max something, the missing writer... Mm hooks up with the the artist lady, mm-hmm. and they're on board that little cruise ship, oh, yeah. and he, mm-hmm. he pulls her off to the side, and they start having sex, and they're talking about their lives and how great it is for him to be out of his house and for her to be away from her passionless husband, and now they've found each other and they're in love, and it's the moment right before the bomb destroys all the evidence and all the people who might know yep. that the squid was created by Ozymandias, and I'm like, that is such a cool, such a wonderful human moment where... These characters who are purely incidental to the plot have their own thoughts and their own desires, and have mm-hmm. this thing where they're going to go off and be happy together. Uh, except you're going to die. It, I mean, it's a really well done moment, and the the same thing goes with you know the comedian showing up at Moloch's apartment at the beginning and beating the snot out of Moloch, or you know, I think he's actually crying in this sequence. Yeah, where he's crying about what he saw and he didn't know what was going on and how the world doesn't make sense anymore. I think it's losing some of the nuance of the book, something that you can get away with when you have 24 pages over the course of 12 issues, as opposed to having to tell a slam-bang story with a big third act and something that they can maybe stick a sequel on.
1: I just hear Alan Moore chuckling in his English tongue, Haha, I told you you guys would fuck it up. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care. No, he, oh, well, I'm, I'm sure he doesn't. I mean, if you go back and read his comments, he doesn't care, but his beard doesn't same, care either. At the same time, <laughs> you just know that he's just like, see, I'm right once again. Oh, and Alan, was, Moore's,
2: Alan Moore's beard demands blood, I think. <laughs>
1: and,
0: you know, he was, he, he did V for Vendetta, right? Yeah, he wrote that and that's yeah, so, the one that pissed so, him off you know, League of Extraordinary it's Gentlemen. It's probably the same thing It's like, yep. You guys are going to go Hellblazer. 3 for 3. Didn't he
1: do er, uh, Constantine, Constantine?
2: Constantine was a terrible movie. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, it's a miss it's a fundamental misunderstanding in a way, but it's not as bad as V for Vendetta when the whole point of individuality was undermined by 500 people doing the same thing at the same time. Right. Right. That makes perfect sense. That's all about the individual.
1: Hey, why don't we keep hey. uh, uh, Matthew's uh, hatred up for a f- just a few more minutes as we talk about Brett Ratner. Brett, Brett, Brett. Ratner. Speaking of movies that are going to suck.
2: oh, Wh- Which one's going to
1: suck, Conan or Beverly Hills Cop 4? Because, you know, uh, Brett Ratner has said, hey, all those news and announcements last week where I pretty much people said I was for sure going to be doing Conan, eh, not until after I finished Beverly Hills Cop 4
2: directed by Brett Ratner. <laughs> so does
1: this make you feel a little bit better that he hasn't officially signed on for Conan?
2: Well, you got to understand I'm, I'm 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 not like the Conan guy. I just I I there is something fundamentally to me unsatisfying about Brett Ratner movies. They just feel unfinished to me. There's a lot of wonderful notions tied together by, you know, some cogency of plot but you get to the end and you're like but what a, and what about then what about what, what can i, think I have you have to be-
1: stay till after the credits to see the
2: really yes so how are you going to justify i'm the juggernaut bitch <sighs> i don't know I, how are you going to justify that that moment took me completely out of the film and i went okay Brett ratner. I, I thought it was kind of funny
0: but the problem is by that by that point the movie was so un like underwhelming that i was like okay they they're they're trying to fish the movie out with pop culture
1: references yeah true
0: and we're officially true. off
1: topic <laughs> no no you're right the, the we're, brett ratner we're talking about brett ratner i'm yeah. glad he's not doing conan what now about- is
2: Go isn't ahead. eddie murphy like 1275 years old I don't know how he's
1: going to do that. I hear they're also thinking of doing another Nutty Professor movie, so who knows how
2: that's all going to work. I got it. I got it. Beverly Hills Cop 4. This time, it's geriatric. Nice. Thank you.
1: Movie will still suck balls. (laughs) So how about that new Enterprise? Hey, you know what? I like the new Enterprise. I like the way it looks. I like the way it looks. I mean, if you're going to tell a future story... You know, Mm -hmm. back in 1960, future probably looked like a plastic bottle flying through space. But in 2008, a plastic model flying through space... It ain't gonna fly. It's just not gonna cut it. Yeah, Yeah. and so I like the sleek design. I like the look. It still has the basic shape, but it's updated. It looks, it looks fast. It's like it's got this swoosh to it. It's, it's, it's got an. Here's. Wouldn't surprise me if it was underwritten by Nike Corporation. One, one thing that I kind of that
0: kind of took me out of it is that it has a very organic look. Right. And that's not really what Federation looks like to me. I think there's, there's other. Critters out there, yeah. Whose ships have a very organic look, right? So having a more biological look to the Enterprise, yeah, a lot of curves, it, it, and yeah, the, it's, yeah. It's it's and and you know the, the the kind of central eye thing was was something that I was like, this looks, you know, this looks a little bit more, you know, organic, biological. Mm-hmm. You know, there's probably other stuff that's out there mm-hmm. that should I believe mean, you're referring
2: like to the reflector dish. That's the one, yeah, the big eye. Yeah, th- 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 don't. It is, never mind.
1: It did look really slick. And mm-hmm. it's kind of weird because I think the quote that went along with this in Entertainment Weekly or something JJ uh, Abrams was like, Well, the first time I saw a really good start, you know, an enterprise model, you could see all the panels and all the things, you know, reflecting off of it. And I thought that was cool. I hope that's what we're going to see here. I mean, we've Mm -hmm. seen the official trailer come out. It's in Mm -hmm. high def, and we get to see the Enterprise being built so you actually see panels and pieces. But you're right, once it is put together, it looks very, very slick. Mm -hmm. Matthew, what are your thoughts on it? Do you like it, hate it, don't care? I
2: I think it it manages to take a lot of what we recognize from that original Enterprise and bring it up to date with some of the later reimagining. So, yeah, it's kind of got the little... The slimline thing and the nacelles are a little bit different, a little more tapered. But overall, it's obviously the same ship. And they stayed with the design because, you know, well, first of all, Star Trek fans are very rabid. And hey, you, boy, screw it, go, you screw it up, they'll take you
1: apart. Go look at the discussion forum on, on that post up on com, and you'll see how rabid people are getting oh, yeah. over the, uh, the look of the new Enterprise.
2: I, I think if you're retelling the story, you have to stay as classic as possible. But you also have to do something different, or else why retell the story? Yeah.
1: Is there enough of a jump? I mean, I know everybody hated Enterprise, and you know what? I kind of like the Enterprise show. Uh, for the you.
2: one with Scott Bakula?
1: Yeah, with the with, uh, Time Jumper. I was, I was I expecting loved... him to turn blue and go away, but he never did. <laughs> I, I
2: thought... really enjoyed the the adventures of Jolene's breasts. Yeah, so did but... I. That
1: was the only reason to watch it. But, you know, you went from, again, like you were saying, Matthew, a very um, practical ship which was yeah. that first Enterprise, to this one now, which is only supposed to be, what, one generation removed mm-hmm. from that?
2: Um, it's like 75 or 80 years, isn't it? Well, I mean, that's about the life of a ship.
1: Would you really go through that much of a design change? I guess if you look at cars, they've gone through that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, cars are, own- are meant to be marketable. True, true. And, and weapons of
2: mass destruction are probably not. Right. I will say this, one of our regular posters said it looks exactly the same. I am not a trekkie or a trekker or a trek on. <laughs> I am not I am not a trektagon, nor am I a Trekobot. But I can look at this and obviously tell that it's not the same ship, per se. It's not the exact same design. So again, I think they've they've done a good job of maintaining the classic while trying to go you know, it, it, it's hard to tell stories 40 years down the line about something that's supposed to be in the future. If you look at the original 60s series, it's filled with 60s, you know, velour turtlenecks and little mini dresses yeah, and, baby. and go-go. And when you look at that, that vision of the future is now a vision of the future that's actually in the past. So yeah. you, you have to take it to, to a new level to me. And I think they managed to at least pique my interest to where I'm no longer... As depressed about Teen Kirk as I was before to where at least, you know, it doesn't look like some guy sat there in, in Lightwave and Ed Yarmer built it over a weekend and animated
1: it. Hey, did you guys see the trailer?
0: I I think I saw, like, the proto-trailer where it's just, like, people it, building the ship. Oh, yeah, but you haven't
1: seen the one where I, uh-huh. uh, Uhura takes her shirt I'm looking,
2: off? I'm looking at the Hot ship stuff. right here. I don't even see a trailer hitch, man. to <laughs>
1: Ooh, uh, 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 uh uh. Hey, what about the from the I Told You So department?
2: Yeah, you told us so.
1: I told you so, people. Blue Beetle was gonna get canceled. It's a great series, and it was gonna get canceled if more people didn't start reading. And what happened? Dan DeDeo announced this past week that along with Nightwing Danny Robin. Yeah, Danny DeVito, Danny, Dan okay. Dan announced along with Robin Nightwing, Birds of Prey, Blue Beetle was also getting the axe. Mm. But probably n- for no uh uh death of batman tie in reasons right. simply because
2: sales weren't where they needed there, to be there
1: there are comics that are selling far fewer than blue beetle that are still on the on the stands
2: blue beetle is one of the last of those titles that launched out of one infinite year later. well and one, one year, year later yeah cuz there was shadow pact which went under several months ago checkmate which went under last month yep i mean all of that stuff that was designed to be new and different and not necessarily now, Blue Beetle was a quality book. Don't get me wrong. I love Shadow Pact and Checkmate it GC- had some things going for it. <laughs> they were designed. They were designed to be new and different. Yes. And once we got past new and different, their own status quo may not have been enough to maintain them. But here's what, the, well, and maybe you
1: know. from the reader's standpoint, and I forget how many of this was selling twelve thousand, thirty thousand, somewhere in between there in that range. I think it was um, like 80, was wasn't it? I don't think it's eighty. I think it was like between twelve Eight. and. Oh, really? Eight? Eight? Really? Eighteen. Oh, okay. Well, that's between 12 and 20. Okay. But still, I think there's a big enough following of that, and like I said, there are f- far many more titles from DC that are f- selling less than Blue Beetle. I would bet that Jonah Hex is selling less. I would bet that Booster Gold is selling less. I would bet that, um, I don't know where Green Arrow, uh, Black, Black Canary, Canary falls in, but that one's got to be selling about the same markup. Uh, Checkmate. They're still publishing that, right?
2: No, they're not. They canceled that. Oh, they it. canceled
1: that one, too? Well, see, there you go. It's just be... a matter of time. They're trimming the fat, everybody. And I think that I... what they're going to... Let me ask you this. No. no. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to jump into my publish-for-the-trade <laughs> diatribe, but mm-hmm. what if they made this announcement that they're bringing back Adventure Comics mm-hmm. that'll probably feature the Legion of Superheroes once that title ends after issue 50, another title that they're killing? But what would you be happy with anthology titles like maybe every quarter they had an eighty-page giant that had a Blue Beetle story in it, a uh, uh, Black Canary Green Arrow story in it, or something like that? Would that work for you? Would that satisfy you? No, no. Why not? I'll, I'll well, give first you... of all, you don't read DC, Rodrigo, so we know that. That's.
0: But I, I'd, I, I'd, I would, I would be a lot more. Inclined to read something like Blue Beetle that is not necessarily tied into the big crossovers, at any given point. Um, I'll, I'll give you an example. You guys, you guys ever see Animaniacs? It's yeah. time
1: for Animaniacs. I hated.
0: I hated the Good Feathers, and it's largely because I was a kid and I didn't necessarily <laughs> get the references. Yeah. Um, and I would hate it. I'd love the Warner Brothers. I love Pinky and the Brain. Hated the Good Feathers. And every time the Good Feathers came up, I'd be like, "Buttons and Mindy." Uh, no, nah, that was uh, I could go back and forth on Buttons or, and or Mindy. Slappy, Slappy, Slappy was okay because it was just outright. But, violent. yeah, I would agree with you. The Good Feathers. I thought the was... Good Feathers was kind of the weak point, but it's clearly it was so referential that the authors loved it. So there was a Good Feathers ep- like cartoon right. in almost every episode of Animaniacs. It seemed, and I hated it, and I think. You know, if they were like, okay, which episode of Animaniacs you want to watch, I'd be like, show me the first six that you can find that don't have good feathers in it. You Mm -hmm. know, it's it's that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Where in an anthology, you wouldn't necessarily, you you might even not pick it up if it's like, oh, well, this guy has, you know, Jonah Hex, which I don't like. You know, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. Matthew? I don't
2: know if you guys ever read Marvel Comics Presents. Uh, I don't read Marvel. Was that the one with Aranya? No, that was uh, something different. Marvel Comics Presents ran for like 175 issues. Mm-hmm. And it started out with a good premise, which is, we're going to tell stories from all over the Marvel Universe. By about issue 12, it turned into X-Men uh, solos with whatever else we could stick in. Mm-hmm. Because they found that it would not sell as an anthology. You know, if you have, let's say you do, you have an issue where you've got Green Arrow, Plastic Man, uh, Blue Man Beetle. And Man Manhunter, Man Hunter, another title they killed. Manhunter. Okay, so you stick those together. It's got a little something for everybody. It sounds great. The people who it's read like Manhunter, what percentage of them are going to be on board for one quarter of a Manhunter title? Mm-hmm. We'll say 80%. Yeah, so, in right 80 there, pages,
1: you could get three 22-page stories
2: in, plus ads. But people aren't going to buy the book based just on Manhunter. And the people who buy those individual stories, like with Marvel Comics Presents... They're going to find, you know, the publisher's going to find, that they need to find a way to make it sell. And what do the publishers know how to sell? What they already know how to sell. So it'll turn into a new Batman title True. with, say, a Green Arrow backup. Or, True. As, as with Marvel, if you look at the, new, the latest run of Marvel Comics Presents, I don't know if it's been canceled or not. Because issue 12 just sort of came and went, and it rolled off the end of the pier, and there have been no more solicitations. Was wow. that the one that was like Blade and Man-Thing? Yeah, it was like... Um, that was a it while ago, wasn't it? It had like a five-issue Machine Man run that yes, I read. Yeah, that's yeah. it. that's it. I read Machine Man. I could not possibly have cared less about any of the other stories. Yeah, in that but that's but
1: that's still, though, you're getting your Machine Man story, someone who, who's the 12,000... But, but listen, the 12,000 people that are into to Manhunter are going to go buy it to get their 20 pages. The people that are into they're... Blue Beetle, the 12,000 there, 18,000 there, are going to buy it to get their Blue Beetle. The people that are into Plastic Man... Those five people are going to buy it. So I, in an all, you end up with a 30,000-run 80-page giant. I don't know. It's just an idea. I mean, you guys have really good arguments against I'm not going to pay $4.99 for eight, page, eight well, pages of the character that I want. You're going to be paying four ninety nine by the end of next year for a 20-page comic that has eight pages of content in it.
2: Yeah. Either that or I'm going to take all my money and spend it on hookers and beer because this hobby got too expensive. <laughs> anyway.
1: All right. so that's It's our- a great
2: time to get back into D&D, you guys. <laughs>
1: <Hey>, speaking- d
2: <D&D>? and <laughs> I, I don't have a thing for whips and chains, man. D&D is not- <laughs> Oh. <laughs> speaking hey, uh- of torturing us...
1: Yes, let's get into the reviews. woo and, uh, and it kind of ties into Rodrigo's comment about D&D and gaming. Yep. What do you guys think of these uh, comics that are based on gaming titles? I mean, World of Warcraft is out from Wildstorm. We've Warhammer, got Warhammer 40K. for 40K from Boom Studios. And now Rodrigo's talking about uh, Gears of War.
0: Gears of War, which is based on an Xbox title.
1: Yeah. Do you guys think that's cool or not? Sure. I mean, any... I mean if you can, it's, what What, what did I see, um, I forget who it is, Rich Johnson or, or somebody was talking it's... about about um, the most popular title sold was Gears of War, which sold something like 100,000 copies. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't and that wasn't through the direct market. They actually sold them in regular bookstores or gaming shops mm-hmm. or those things like that. Brilliant move. If you're gonna get new readers in to buy any comic, brilliant move.
0: Oh yeah. Well and and you know, it's it's gotten to the point where it's not like superheroes are comic books and T right. V is all sitcoms and stuff like that. Like people are looking to, you know, cross pollinate their Cinemax properties. Cinemax
1: isn't softcore porn. It isn't? <laughs> You're watching it too late at night. That's uh, your problem. I gotcha. So tell us about these uh, these uh, Gears of War comic books. All right, Gears of War. I
0: haven't played the game. Um, you have an Xbox, though, right? I don't. You don't, okay. All I all I have is a Wii. Dear Santa. Yes. Roderick Dear Santa Schleicher. All right. When, you, when he gets his third Xbox, please have him send <laughs> one to me. And Matthew needs a
1: PlayStation 3. Gosh yep. dang, this is going to be an expensive Christmas. It is. Set all me right.
0: up. So, Gears of War. Basically, there's been this... Apocalyptic event in which these alien monsters who apparently have guns have essentially taken over the world and, you know, people have kind of clustered together and they've gone out and fight them. The Gears, air quotes, are soldiers. That's what they call a soldier in this kind of in this army. Um, The only reason that I can see as to why they're called Gears is... Is because it sounds cool. Like they wanted to name the the game "Gears of
1: War" instead of "Grunts of War," or something right? Like that. Yeah. Or instead
0: of like foot soldiers or something right, like that, right. you know. So they basically go out with these gigantic machine gun um, chainsaws with like chainsaw striped to the bottom and fight monsters off. This book has great art. I really like the art. It's yeah. real cool. Um, the The design is, from what I can tell, just straight out of the game. So you. If you like or don't like the design, you can't really fault the artist for it because mm-hmm. they're clearly just taking stuff straight out of the game. Um, the story is very straightforward war stuff. I mean, just like these guys are fighting alien monsters, they could be fighting Nazis or the Viet Cong or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but Alligators. they happen to be fighting, yes, or, you know, giant alligator monsters or um, o- invaders Prime. invaders from planet Klondathu or whatever. Oh, yes. Um, so there's also a comic book based on that series that's now. that's what I hear um, in within the within the the span of issue number one and two, which i read um you know not not all that much happens other other than um you start out away from camp with these guys trying to make their way back from this campaign mm-hmm. that kind of went wrong mm-hmm. um you're introduced to the protagonist who I don't remember his name, so we'll call him the protagonist. <laughs> and yep, and this other guy who is supposedly the most awesomest guy that ever did awesome, um, and everybody refers to him as such. And I think he might be the character from the video that you play probably. in the video game, probably. So that's why he's awesome because he's you, right? Um, wh- whose name I also don't remember. I think his name's Steven. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> <Nope>. it was
2: <laughs> Earl. Is his name? <laughs>
0: you know explodicus jones who,
1: who oh, knows? oh yes so death strike yes yes works. explodicus jones explodicus jones 70, 70s porn star names never get a walker, walker, walker yep so basically i heard you going,
2: ordered a pizza
0: you know you're going from point a to point b they get to point b finally um you see some girls the girls are nice um the I, I kind of have to go back to the design of these guys. It, it's actually kind of funny because they look like football players. Right. They have these huge kind of chest pieces and uh, shoulder pads. Mm-hmm. Um, these gigantic guns, but they don't wear helmets. Because you kind of, I, I guess you have to recognize each character. Uh huh. Um, and it, I just find that to be completely baffling because they're out, you know, in this hail of gunfire. They have these huge armor pieces, which don't seem to do anything because one guy gets shot right through it. Oh, wow. Um, and you know, but but they don't wear any helmets. It, it's just it's just kind of a maybe weird the aliens thing. don't aim for the head. I, I guess not. They, they have some. So kind is there of some stuff block.
1: blowing up in these two issues at least? There, are,
0: there's just there's tons of fighting. Like like I said, it's just pretty straightforward. They start here, they end here, and in the middle, they probably fight three different things. Wow. And then at so- the and at the middle of the second volume or the second issue they're all, they're moving towards a new location and something already goes wrong like oh, okay. their chopper type machine gets shot so down so it's a typical
1: kind of war it's it's
0: very straightforward by the numbers and that is not a bad thing i'd give this i I'd, I'd cut off three slices of non-helmet wearing meatloaf because <laughs> it just if you want a war comic and alien monsters happens to be the kind of flavor you like and this is a great comic Gears for you are a war read. fan oh yeah absolutely cool
1: Three. And the comic book won't lock up in the middle. <laughs> won't give you the red circle no. of death. All right. Excellent. And that's from Wildstorm? Yes. Is that who that's from? Wildstorm Comics. Wildstorm. It looks like everything we are reviewing this week, except for our trade paperback, is a DC title. Or from a DC imprint. Yeah, my... Matthew regale us with Tales of Constantine. Constantine.
2: Ting. <laughs> I- i got to start with one of my I'm old stories, so uh, grab a sandwich and uh, tune out for 45 seconds, whatever it is you do.
1: <laughs> you kids get off my lawn.
2: It was the summer of 1988, and I went to a little bookstore called Gulliver's Tattered Covers, and I bought issue one of a book called Hellblazer. That doesn't count as cursing, so you don't have to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, actually bought Hellblazer number one off the stands in the summer of '88, and I immediately went back and bought issue two. And every month since, I've been reading Hellblazer, and we're pushing 250 issues.
1: Twenty years. I know of this stuff.
2: You're you're old. I know. Holy crap! I was I was like six months old when this book. I know, book and I'm started. older than you, and I can read. So uh, <laughs> I actually uh, Hellblazer number 248 came out recently. I want to say last month. Either. Either a week or two weeks or, I don't know, let's say six weeks ago. October 22nd. At some, at some point, this book came out, and I just purchased it because I'm way behind in my comic purchasing, so we're going to review it. Shut up. No, go ahead. I'm
1: all excited okay. about this. This is right in the middle it's, of a surprisingly three-issue arc instead of the yeah. let's write it for the trade mentality that a lot of people are, go for.
2: Mm-hmm. Which is really awesome. One of the one of the things that you will note about... Uh, sorry. About Hellblazer is, initially, it was under a a writer named Jamie Delano, or possibly Jamie Delano, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. And he really established the character from Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing. And probably 20, 25 issues in, he dropped the book. It went south for a little bit, and then it was picked up by Garth Ennis. Everybody since has been doing riffs on Garth Ennis' version of John Constantine. For the last few months, Andy Diggle has been going back to the, the first 12 to f- 20 issues of Hellblazer and really riffing on the Jamie Delano, um, Alan Moore version of Constantine. Cool. So I'm old. I appreciate that. <clears throat> this issue actually has a couple of real Hell Yeah moments. It opens up with two of the villains from uh, recent interactions teaming up together. One is an old man named Lord Burnham, and the other is this psychotic African sorcerer named Mako. Now, and wait, named, that's not the Dr. Voodoo guy, is it? Yeah, Dr. Voodoo guy's name is Mako. Oh, okay. he's also, But he's also named after the character from Big Trouble in Little China, now that you mention it. All right. Never had to be there. Wait, is, there actually, is, it,
1: is this the guy that is the Voodoo guy? Is, is this the one that I'm thinking of that was kind of like the... the Enemy guy, like too, brother, something or other. Yeah, brother Voodoo. No, There's,
2: no, 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 okay. no. You're thinking of uh, Papa, Papa Midnight. Yes, that's who it is. This From is not movie. him. This is not him. This okay. is someone very different. But Matthew, way actually... back,
1: let me tell you a story about how when I was young, Matthew. Way back in 1988, I went to the comic book store in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, not, uh, not the the, uh, the one that not gatekeeper because it had not yet no. been invented yet. It would have, have been had comics
2: and fantasies at that point.
1: Yeah. Uh, I same, went to the shelf. store I, I went to the shelf and saw Hellblazer number one, and I picked up Superman number two eighty-seven. <laughs> so I forgive me that I don't know hardly anything about Constantine except the uh, great tales that you tell us.
2: Because he's awesome. Okay, he's like this English dude, and he like smokes and stuff, and he had cancer. Correct. He had cancer, and he sold his soul to three separate devils, who then, none of them could cash in on it, because if they did, they would lose face and have to go to war with the other three devils. Excellent. I thought so. This issue does something similar, in that two characters who are coming after him, he ends up playing one against the other. Lord Burnham... Uh, wants to die and go basically into a little magical world where he lives forever with 37 whores and does whatever he wants. And in return for setting this up, Mako is going to take on the power of this device called the Hell Mirror. What happens is Constantine actually gives them both the slip, ends up killing Lord Burnham and throwing the other one into a strange alternate universe and then framing him for the murder of the first guy. Oh, that's awesome. All in
1: this this one issue, part two of three.
2: Yeah. I think it's part three of three, isn't it?
1: Uh, 248, if that's the one you're reviewing, is part two of three.
2: 249 comes out, which is, I think, this week, which is the conclusion of the series. There you go. So he's basically taken out both of his enemies, and at the end of the issue, there's a really wonderful sequence where, in the early issues, one of the running themes was Alan Moore's theory of chaos and what they call the, the Wheel of Fortune. It's um, Kabbalah Tarot type theory in mm-hmm. that Constantine basically lives by his own luck, and he's he's thinking about how terrible it is that he had a uh, run-in with Chaz, and he and his best friend were no longer hanging out together. Chaz, by the way, is not a fifteen-year-old kid who looks like Shia LaBeouf. Ah! Mm. For those of those of you who have seen the movie, I want you to take the movie. I want you to I want you to picture the movie in your mind. Okay, and burn it, light like the motherhole. <laughs> Light the movie on Kill fire. It. Kill it. It's evil. Yeah. Kill it. Nuke the but and in of orbit. course, um, a moment of synchronicity. John steps out of his apartment, hails a cab, and the cab is driven by Chaz. Hmm. And the the story actually ends with the two of them going to a bar and just talking for like five pages, talking about how they had a falling out. They're both over it. They're done. They're going to be mates again. And at the at the end of the end of the whole thing, they're talking about. What's you know what's going on? All of a sudden, Constantine realizes what's going on. He's dreaming. He realizes something has changed him, rather than him changing it. And there's a very weird cliffhanger where he and Chaz are now. You know, they've agreed to be friends again. As he walks out, he points to a mirror and says, "I'm on to you," to himself. Uh oh. Yeah, something weird is going on now. There's a lot of like I say, there's 248 issues going on. The art in this issue is somewhat typical for Hellblazer in that it's, it's got kind of the vertigo, the scratchy, scratchy technique mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. But here it really works. There's, there's an underlying, I don't know, there's, there's a craft to it that makes it work for me. Even if you look at it from the perspective of everything being rendered and rendered and rendered, it's still clear what it is. The faces stay on model. And the expressions, especially Constantine's expressions throughout, when he gets the better of these people, the expressions are really awesome. It's got kind of a muted color palette, a lot of greens and blues and yellows. Mm-hmm. But it still works. And this I mean the story really fits because it's not your traditional comic book superhero-y story. There are supernatural elements to it, but basically it's the story of a guy who does stuff and kind of walks the earth and has adventures. As, you know, kind of an avowed superhero guy, it's weird for me to have, you know, a book like this that I read every month. But mm-hmm. two hundred forty eight is another example. Andy Diggle has really brought this book back to its roots, back to what I liked about it initially. So if I were, you know, having some meatloaf with John Constantine Ding. Not teen, because that annoys me. And I know I'm I sound like a, an anal perv when I say it, but you kids neither. get
1: off my lawn.
2: And it's pronounced Constantine, you little bastards. The, uh, is
0: that why, why are all old people Jewish? <laughs> that's what I'd like to know. Because it's just funny
1: that way. It's funny old, you know? because old Swedish guys just don't sound
2: right.
1: <laughs> Haba Yampani, Minnie, that's a good podcast. All you do you,
2: you end up sounding like uh, the uh, the buzzard from the Woody Woodpecker culture. <laughs> all you do is eat and eat to get out of my house, you stupid woodpecker. Rodrigo, get off our lawn. <laughs> you sorry, young kid. Sorry. You young punk. I would ac-
0: you know how old I was I- in 87? Two. I kill four.
2: <laughs> <I> will- <laughs> I'm going to travel back in, in 19- time to wait You know for what Rodrigo four. was
1: doing in 1987? Wetting his pants still. Yep. So it's just like now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it was just like Matthew the first time he read the first issue of Hellblazer.
2: I'm buying comics and being pretentious. Rodrigo's wetting his pants and Steven's incoherent reading Superman blah, in the corner.
1: Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> oh my God, Bradyac.
2: The more things change, the more things stay. the <laughs> same. <laughs> I yeah. would actually be willing to go four out of five slices of meatloaf on this one simply really? because it's solid. This is a book that's been around for 20 odd years and it, I mean, it cycles. There are times where you're just, you read it out of habit or at least I do because I've always read it. It's one of the only books that I've always literally read. I got in on the ground floor, read it from issue one. So even when there's a dead run, like there have been here and there, you know, the 120s, the 170s, the late 20s of the book, you have these spots where you're just like, eh, it'll probably get better. And I have them all. Hmm. So this book is really on a track where I'm enjoying it. Ooh, I got the hiccups. Let's try that again. This book is really back on a track where I'm enjoying it again. I remember what I like about the character, and most of all, they've washed the stink of Keanu off it Mm. completely. You can never wash the stink of Keanu off of you. No, Keanu. You actually have to. I think it's like a bath and tomato juice to get Keanu's (laughs) But this book is really coming back, and uh, uh, Vertigo, to me recently, has made a lot of strides, bringing itself back to, I wouldn't necessarily say it was irrelevant before, but really bringing itself back to the forefront of showing us interesting things in comics that we can't get anywhere else. And that's why I read Hellblazer. The end.
0: (laughs) That's what what Matthew did this summer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hellblazer comics. What, what? I bought them when I was 16 and now I still do and now I am old. <laughs> and now Steve
1: can bite <laughs> me. All right, you want to you want to know something that bites? Is it the vampires? Jokes? No. Batman uh, Confidential. Oh, Batman Confidential. Through. You know, I I'm going to go off on this again. DC should have never canceled Legends of the Dark Knight.
2: Legends of the Dark Knight. (laughs) (laughs) Brett Ratner wrote Legends of the Dark Knight. No, he wouldn't have because...
1: Well, that may be the reason why they canceled Legends of the Dark Knight. But Legends of the Dark Knight told all these great tales of Batman's (laughs) early days. Mm -hmm. And then they decided... Well, crap it. We need to tell a story of how Batman got his Batmobile and the first time Batman arrested the Joker. Let's scrap this whole Legends of the Dark Knight stuff, which nobody's buying anyway, and relaunch it with a new title called Batman Confidential, Stories You Never Knew Existed About Batman. Oh wow. You know why you never knew they existed? Because they suck? Because they suck!
2: <laughs> Can I just point out that DC did that with several books and they tried to rebrand... The Batman Confidential, the JLA Confidential, the JSA Confidential into one line that sucked. You're right. I forgot about the JSA Confidential. How can you be afraid that – seriously, how can you be surprised this book sucks? It has con man right in the title. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, what, is, you know what I like it. about
1: this book? I like – the Scott McDaniel uh, art has kind of grown on me. I kind of like his kind of fat-faced – Very little detailed characters that he draws, especially with Batman in his Mm -hmm. cape and cowl. But at the same time, (laughs) Scott McDaniel doesn't know how to follow continuity. Here's a scene where they're transporting Joker in a van to, I guess, a a maximum security prison after he uh, last issue talked this uh, cop's wife into killing herself. He's behind a gated uh, uh, fence, and there's two guards in the front, and one of them's like, Uh, I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to sit here and do my crossword puzzle. Hey, where's my pin? Holy S. Stabbed through the neck with the Joker pin. Very next panel, the Joker's in the front seat, and um, uh, the fence behind him is still intact. He's still wearing handcuffs, so there's no indication that he got out of the van, walked up to the front, got in, and started driving. None of that. So there's some little continuity, art continuity issues in there. Mm -hmm. The story goes so far as, uh, you know what kills? You know what the murder weapon is, this issue? A wrench in the study? No, a peanut in a glass of water. Wow. Because the judge... No wonder uh, I never
0: win in this game. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The judge overseeing the the trial, the Joker notices he's got a little silver... Bracelet on his wrist. Oh, peanut allergy. Oh, let me show the world how crazy I am. I smuggle a peanut, a bag of peanuts, into the into the uh, uh, courtroom, and I flick a peanut and bounce it perfectly into a glass of water. Nobody notices. You know, when I drink a clear glass of water, a glass of water, if there's a floater in there, I know it before it comes to my lips. Yet this stupid judge, gulp, gulp, gulp. Oh no, I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> Does he actually go, Ack! I am dead. Uh, what does he say? The word is, Judge, are you all right? Nice. That's the judge's maybe, final words. And maybe then the- he
2: was dictating. Strike that from the record. There's <laughs> a Monty Python reference for the three of you listening. Who
1: Thank you. He wouldn't actually this, take the
2: time to write out, our This <laughs> issue,
1: my God, DC, my God, I cannot give this issue any meatloaf slices because the minute the meatloaf touched my lips, I would be regurgitating. Because of your <laughs> meatloaf allergy? Because of my meatloaf allergy, <laughs> which apparently the Joker knew about because he conned yeah. he conned this guy, what's his name, uh, uh, Chrisberg, uh Andrew Kreisberg, into writing this stuff just so that when we got to this part of the podcast I, and I talked about meatloaf, <laughs> zero people. Wow. Do not stop buying That's, Batman Confidential. That is Shadow Hunter territory. It is borderline Shadow Hunter. Seriously, though, if I had to give it a rating, maybe half a star because I the art does grow on me. Mm-hmm. But the story is but so then lame. So do work. You know, the, the previous issue was really well done because it got into this psychological aspect of the Joker, how he can do anything to screw with anybody no matter where they are. Mm-hmm. And this one kind of follows that theme, but it's so. I don't know. It's so it's weak. It is weak. Yeah, Grrr. it's it's.
2: Hey. I think it's
0: it's hard to write Hannibal Lecter, and that's and that's what they're trying to do. I think a green haired Hannibal Lecter, right? Grrr. And and if you're you know if you're not as smart as Hannibal Lecter, and let's face it, who is? And you don't have enough tricks up your sleeve to seem as smart as Hannibal Lecter. It's hard to write him. Grrr. You have.
1: Tell me, Clarice. Have you ever seen the Joker? You know, the the Joker's final line in the book is, Nuts to you, Judge. Nice. That's terrible,
2: Clarice. I'm going to have to kill him for that.
1: So please, like half half a slice of meatloaf, but don't That's... eat it because it's probably poisoned by the Joker. Yeah.
2: Stop. Just stop own...
1: buying Batman Confidential. Does... You know, I was telling Rodrigo before the show, there are. I'm starting to seriously look at my titles now, not because I can't afford them because the prices are getting so high, but I'm really tired of when my stack of comics come in, and I start looking through them. I'm starting to set aside issues because it's like, I'm not going to read this one. I'm not going to mm-hmm. read this one. I'm not going to read this one. And yet I've already paid the money for it because I got to buy my comics three months in advance because there's no comic shop in this godforsaken parcel of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> All out for Fort Stinking Desert. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to order them from someone three months in advance. And, Hi there, you know, my I'm name's Matt. I can sell
2: you some comics.
1: Yeah, but still, I'm going to have to tell you what I want, and if there is some great title like, oh, I don't know, the Flash Gordon stuff, I'm still going to have to order it because your comic shop manager probably won't order it, or he'll order the odd issues, but not the even ones. <laughs> True story. And so story. I'm gonna, I'm screwed that way. And you know what? I actually was at one point when I moved back here, Matthew. I actually, uh. Was a monthly person there at the uh, at Gulliver, or not at Gulliver's, at uh, Gatekeeper. Gatekeeper uh, That's because like a
2: 250 mile drive.
1: I know. And every month I'd have, or every week I'd have my sister go and pick them up.
2: Mm-hmm. And so everybody's
1: like, who's the hot girl coming into our comic book store? She would pick them up, and then I would go and visit her or my family, and I'd pick them all up in that one bundle. But still, I was ordering stuff months ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm stuck with this Batman
2: Confidential until February now. Ugh. Look at the bright side. They'll probably cancel it and give you a subscription to Blue Beetle. Duh! DC curse you. <laughs> hey, speaking of week. Yes. You know what is every single week here at Major Spoilers and the Major Spoilers podcast. It's the the Major Spoilers poll of the week. This time around, once again, we're going into the territory of who'd win, and I don't know if it's a fight or a conversation or maybe just to see who could drink more at the Starbucks, but <laughs> this week we have a battle of characters who were inspired by other characters who in turn inspired characters themselves. On the one hand, we have Blue Beetle the second, yes, yes, or possibly the fourth, depending how you count, Theodore Cord, A Man Barely Alive. When his mentor Daniel Garrett died on Pango Pango Island, Ted Cord used his brains and his skills and also a whole lot of money to build a lot of gadgets and become the Blue Beetle. Oh, oh, oh. Many years later, a man named Alan Moore came around and went to DC and said, Hey, can I write the story about Blue Beetle? And they said, What are you crazy? No. So, inspired by the Blue Beetle, he created Daniel Dryberg. The Night Owl, who, by the way, is one of the few characters in comics who actually looks like most of us who read the comics, which I really appreciate. <laughs> so our poll of the week this week, and I, again, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a fight because, you know, Ted Cord, although ironically Dan Dryberg, Dan Dryberg later became, you know, relatively heavy set during the events of Watchmen. After Watchmen came out, Ted Cord himself had a weight problem yes. in the pages of Justice League International. And I loved it. Pop, proving once again that pop will eat itself. And uh,
1: and he also had heart
2: trouble in the pages of Birds of Prey,
1: which mm-hmm. is why he had to be real careful when he got a little bit too excited with Barbara Gordon.
2: Yeah, Which is apropos of nothing, and welcome to Steven World.
1: I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Which, which is, again, I'm another...
2: Hoping- uh, reference to the Watchmen stuff,
0: because the end is the beginning is the end.
2: You know, uh, all I have to say is, where's my damn squid? But
1: <laughs> That's the calamari right platter. Yep. On sale now, at Red Lobster.
2: <laughs> well, the Blue Beetle did have really awesome goggles, whereas Night Owl had those really cool Devo goggles. So, I mean, yeah. it's a hard fight for me. I look at it from the perspective of Blue Beetle Inspired Night Owl. Night Owl is essentially a riff on Blue Beetle. Right. However, it should be noted that Ted Cord was created by Steve Ditko after he left Marvel. And for all intents and purposes, Ted Cord was a riff on Peter Parker, Spider Man. Mm. Right. So, I mean, it, again, it's, Except it's for r- the whole radioactive bug thing.
0: Hmm.
2: Still a bug, but, I mean, though. He's, still a, he's a wisecracking hero who swings in from the sky. He's smart. He's savvy. He has technical powers. He created some of his powers. He does the flippy, kicky, back, flippy thing, and then he also makes fun of you while he's doing it.
1: ha <laughs> We wouldn't be uh, without the fun of the world without boahaha.
2: ha, exactly. But then there's also the point of the, one of the greatest moments in comics ever about anything is the moment where Dan Dryberg and uh, Silk Spectre are post-coital, and he admits that having the costume on made it better. Yep. Mm-hmm. That he was important I mean,
1: until he could put on yep. the costume.
2: He's the first hero to really come out and say, you know what, uh, i wear it because I'm kind of pervy. Yep. yep. So
1: maybe that's why Batman and Black Canary kept theirs on when they did it on the bot. That, ab- that is absolutely the reason for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: that either that or Frank Miller can't draw naked women. Well, I, I, I doubt it's Frank Miller since it's it, Jim Lee doing that. But yeah, my name is Jim. You know what I like about you, Stephen. <laughs> What's that, Matthew? Seriously, can you think of anything? Because I'm racking my brain at this point in time. <laughs> I
1: love you too, Matthew. You're number yeah. one in my book. Really, is it the middle number? It is the okay. middle number. So awesome. uh, Matthew, then of the two, if you had yes. to pick a favorite, or if you had to put these two in battle with one another, who who would win? Who do, who do you favor of the two? I I
2: I, I actually agonized over this one because really? Blue Beetle, especially Ted Cord, but all Blue Beetles are. Uh, they're they're my character. A blue beetle is a great name. I've always had this kind of a. I really like blue beetle. And Ted Cord was one of the characters who expanded me into the Charlton universe. Mm-hmm. I have uh, mm-hmm. a complete run of of the Charlton comics that he had. But was I'm Ted Cord in the
1: Char- Charlton universe or Carlton uh-huh. universe? Was he okay? I didn't know if that yeah. was the same one or not.
2: Okay. Ted Cord came out in '66. He did okay. five issues in the Charlton universe under Steve Ditko and. I believe they were written by Steve Skates, but I'm not sure. In any case, they're really good books, and I highly recommend that DC trade them or that you go out and spend the 8 or 10 bucks to grab a reading copy. But then there's also the fact that it's Night Owl, and I'm a middle-aged fat guy <laughs> who occasionally wants the Silk Spectre to undress me in my owl ship. So, I mean, it, it's hard for me. I'm, I'm trying to go with my youthful urge that Blue Beetle is cool, Against my, I'm 37 now, and, you know, I hope to put on a night owl costume and see if some chick will, you know, jump me. (laughs) So, I actually ended up going with Blue Beetle, and, and, you know, as of right now, I'm not alone. Right. 210 votes in, 71% Blue Beetle. How about you, Steve? What are you leaning towards?
1: You know, personally, myself, it's Blue Beetle all the way. I think it's that, so, more often than not, he is the... You know he's, you say he's Peter Parker and, and that's great.
2: He well, is, he's inspired by Peter Parker. Yeah, he yeah.
1: is. No, this he this is guy. the he is the poor man's Batman. Yeah, you know he is, and I, I he's not as rich, or certainly not now. He's not as rich, but at one point he had to have been as rich. As Bruce Wayne are very close because he owned his own tech companies and mm-hmm. that's what caused him to build all these gadgets and he was uh buying, you know, Oracle jets and all these things in, in Birds of Prey. So he had money until it was all kind of taken away from him through various schemes and methods and him not paying attention to what was going on. Uh Max yes. Damn you, Ironmonger. Oh wait, no, that's a different guy. <laughs> he uh you know, he is very smart. He has no superpowers per mm-hmm. se. Uh, so he is Batman, but without the grim "I'm gonna kill you" kind of attitude,
2: mm-hmm. right? Uh, all Star Blue Beetle. <laughs> <laughs> that's all. That's all I'm saying about that. Uh, I'm the goddamn Blue Beetle.
1: But, you know, I like Night Owl, and it wasn't until after I read the trade through probably twice, and I think it was probably you that said, "Well, you know, that's Blue Beetle, right?" Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What?" Yeah. And then I had to, then you had to explain to me the whole thing, Matthew, and da 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 da. Um. You know, I dig the night owl character. I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I dig this this guy who is a average Joe. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not rich, but somehow he cobbled together a flying owl ship, Archie. Just kind of rich, kind of rich. But I mean, he owns a brownstone and a secret lair and a warehouse. Yeah, so yeah okay, he's probably he's probably rich. He does get it on by pressing the little secret cloud button, and uh, after a riot, I mean. Yeah, there's some really good things about Night Owl, but when it boils down to it, I'm a Blue Beetle guy. I, I would say if if I had to choose between Batman and Blue Beetle, and who knows, maybe there's a a contest coming up in the near future. Who knows? Oh, between Blue the Be- two, I probably would have to lean towards Blue Beetle. Hmm. Oh, Blue Beetle. Rodrigo, it's up to you.
0: Well, I came. I came into it from the opposite direction. I okay. encountered Watchmen before I even knew that Blue Beetle existed, actually. I mean, I'd, I'd seen him around, but I was right. like, oh, yeah. it's just I, a guy. Yeah, it's just one of ten bajillion superheroes that are out there. Right. I just never encountered Blue Beetle before. I understand that Night Owl has the advantage in that, you know, uh, they sat down and said, okay, what's cool about Blue Beetle? Let's extract that and then build something else out of it. Um, I like Blue Beetle. I like the weirdness of him. I like his weird yellow goggles. Yeah. Um, and, and to me it, it ends up coming down to design, um, because, you know, I'm familiar with Night Owl, but Night Owl exists in that very limited context of Watchmen. Right. Thank God. Right. Nobody's extrapolated that.
1: Yet. Uh, yet. Watchmen, Um, you know, there is a prequel, there is a prequel video game that's coming out just before the movie. Oh, that can't be any good. Um, (laughs)
0: and and you know i've seen blue beetle room but i'm not i'm not all that familiar i think it comes down to me by which i like to look at more and i really really like the design of night owl in the end okay just the 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 weird swept back thing and his like very tight goggles yeah yeah and i just absolutely love the design of the owl ship the beetle ship i don't know what it's called the
1: The beetle, the 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 beetle, the the bug, bug. yeah,
0: yeah. It's gone through a lot of designs, but it's always kind of like this big clunky thing. And I understand that that's part of the appeal, right? Um, But the owl shape is just—it's—it's a donut that has a center, Mm -hmm. and then it has two gigantic eyes on it, and that is just such a simple design. And I just absolutely love it. So I'd have to go with night owl. Okay,
1: cool. Uh, Yeah, cool. We may have to have a uh, battle of the ships.
2: Yeah, I I think it can be said uh, pretty. You know, solidly though, is that Night Owl does have the advantage in that Blue Beetle never got any in his bug <laughs> that we know of until. Nah.
1: Well, wait until uh, Blue Beetle Confidential comes out next month.
2: <laughs> Remember, if it didn't happen on panel, it didn't happen.
1: Yep. <laughs> Nobody's really dead. <laughs> There's no uh, fan fiction. Oh, I'm sure That's right. there is. <laughs> All right, Blue everybody. Beatles. You can weigh in just like the other 210 people that have weighed in on this contest by heading over to Majorspoilers.com and voting for (laughs) yourself. You can either check it on the main page if it's still there, if you're listening now, or you can check it in the side column. It'll be there for a week. And if it's not, you can go into the polls and see how everybody voted in the past.
2: (sighs) You've had quite the show so far, Matthew. I've been wishing, you know, I probably haven't weighed in at 210 in maybe 25 (laughs) years, you know. That's okay. We
1: still love you. Are we still? That was theme funny. Song content? It was funnier before yeah, you talked, week, but you know that's, that's all right. Oh.
2: It was. Hey, yeah, here we have what? a Trade paperback.
1: Oh what? yeah. Hey, trade paperback. Now listen, we have over the course of I don't know a year almost, mm-hmm. we have reviewed some pretty big trade paperbacks. We've reviewed size wise. Uh, size wise, <laughs> yes. I mean, uh, look at the uh, the uh, New Frontier. Look at uh, Captain For- Daredevil America. Daredevil Omnibus. Daredevil Omnibus. We've reviewed some very adult titles. Wanted. The Boys. The Boys. The Boys. There you go. And 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 many others. And we'll probably do that again. Uh, But this week, I was so uh, taken with Saltwater Taffy, this book that I reviewed on the show a couple of months ago. It's a little graphic novel, very small, but it is an all-ages book. This is really aimed at a younger set. And so I thought, hey, wouldn't it be keen? It just came out this past week. What if all three of us took a look at Saltwater Taffy, the second volume, A Climb Up Mount Barnabas, and uh and just kind of weighed in on this. So, let me kind of just give give you a little summary of what Saltwater Taffy is about. Uh the two boys, Benny and Jack. Uh, they're probably eight and ten, something like that. Eleven and eleven and eight. Eleven and eight. Yes. They decide, or they don't decide, they were taken on a summer vacation with their parents to, um, I forget the city now, blah, 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 Chowder Bay. And, you know, they have to spend the summer in this kind of New England area. And they have these wonderful little kid adventures. In the first volume, they uh, help battle a giant sea crab. In the second adventure, they learn all about uh, the... Uh, the Eagle, the giant Eagle that resides on the top of, of Mount Barnabas and Barnabas, the Eagle, Barnabas, the Eagle. And they get into some wild adventures. Uh, you know, the, the great thing is, and I don't know, Matthew, you have a, you have a daughter. I have a son. I haven't been able to, and Rodrigo not to leave him out has a nephew. Um, Rodrigo, my son's a little know, bit
2: outside the high schools and
1: watches. <laughs> I keep getting older and they keep staying the same. Um, Now, my son's a little bit too young to be asking, Dad, where did this come from? Or how did this happen to where I can spin some tall tale for him? Do you spin tall
2: tales for your daughter? Oh, I lie to Molly all the time. (laughs) We we were in the car the other day, and she asked me why the Super 8 Motel is called the Super 8 Motel. And I told her (laughs) some famous BS story that just came off the top of my head about it being, you know, there were eight identical twins who created the hotel and they built it themselves out of, you know, the circus peanuts and cheese. <laughs> she just you know and she's like, Daddy, I think you're making up stories again.
1: Well, but just imagine one of these days, Matthew, you'll actually be able to tell a really good story that's a lie. And that's mm-hmm. kinda like what Jack and, and Benny's dad, Mr. Putnam, does in this tale where you know his dad wears this really kind of cool fishing hat and they're going out hiking and and um, they're like, Dad, where did you get this hat? And he goes, I took it from Barnabas's head. He's just, and they're like, What's a Barnabas? And and he's telling them this tale about this giant golden eagle that uh, swoops down and steals people's hats. And if you ever see a shadow, look out because Barnabas might be after your hat. And and, and it's so you know that's such a, a tale that you know my dad would tell, or maybe mm-hmm. your parents told you these fantastical tales that you're like. Whoa, wow. Dad, no, Dad is so cool because he snatched that hat off the giant eagle's head. Oh, and so the next day, when these two are going out adventuring, as they do in, in both the issues, uh, let's see, uh, Jack decides, hey, it's okay if I borrow Dad's hat because Dad's cool and I want to be like Dad, which I thought was, oh, isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. Isn't that cool when your kid wants to be like your parent? So, from a parent's perspective, I'm like, oh. I hope my son does that. Yeah. Instead, my son is. Uh, son, do you love daddy? Mm-mm. <laughs> True story. Uh, but he's only one. So, uh, but you know, here they go out adventuring, and even little uh, Benny has his own little hat, which is this great little lobster, you know, <laughs> cheesy uh, hat that you would find at a tourist trap place. And what happens? But sure enough. Barnabas swoops down and snatches the hat, and these kids have to get the hat back. And they decide mm-hmm. to climb up, climb up Mar- Mount Barnabas, something no one has done in decades to get the hat back. I mean, and,
0: and when you say giant golden eagle, I mean this eagle is nine feet tall at least. Yes, probably has like
1: a fifty-foot wingspan. Yeah, some just it's just gigantic. <laughs> one of its wing feathers is as tall as one of the kids. Yeah,
2: uphill both ways through thirty feet of snow. Oh
1: yeah. And they do manage to climb up the mountain, and they have these little great adventures. They meet talking wolves, talking lobsters. The wolf wants to eat them. Rock-climbing turtles. Rock-climbing turtles. Who need a tip? I love the turtle's tip jar. Yes, awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) Don't
2: forget, we got to come back down, so don't go anywhere. Uh, You know, these... I think... Go ahead. My favorite moment is the moment where they're just, they're traveling, and uh, Jack, uh, Jack is... Benny is the younger brother. Right, Benny. Uh, he bought a silly lobster hat, which I think is a reference to the first trade paperback. Yes, when they went after the giant lobster, and he's wearing this hat, and they're just walking along. And all of a sudden, he's like, "When I'm elected president, I'm gonna wear this hat." Yes, <laughs> just a, such a perfect moment. It's the kind of thing that I can imagine myself actually saying now, much less when I was a kid.
1: There, there's just so so much innocence between innocence between these kids, and yet you can see the. The older brother, younger brother. Mm -hmm. Dynamic. Yeah, dynamic, not rivalry, anything like that. But they just work together as a pair of brothers who will look out for each other in the end.
0: Mm -hmm. And will pick on each other.
1: Yes, and that's, you know, the part of having a younger brother or older brother or sister or whatever.
0: I personally really like the art. And uh, going through it, you know, once, you might not catch it. But there's something about the art that is really Tintin-ish. Yes, in a, a little in a, bit, yeah. In a good, in a good way, way, because you got, you have characters that are very simple, up against very elaborate backgrounds. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. especially if you go to the very beginning and you look at the map of Chowder Bay, like yeah. th- there's some strong detail going there. And the turtle's shell is like really detailed. Well, look at the, the characters... uh, back cover. Look at, not the inside
1: the back cover, where they have the plate. Of yeah, Barnabas, and it's yeah, just like, and it's like Whoa. it looks
0: like a wood carving.
1: Yeah, or, yeah. Now, the one thing that I am curious about this, and I wish we could, I am going to have to contact Matthew Lou, Lou. I guess is his last name L O U X. Mm, I am going to have to contact no. him because I am wondering if these are his actual pin strokes, or do you think this is done penciled then in done in Illustrator, where because it looks very. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it's it is rasterized, but it looks very crisp and sharp, like you might find in an Illustrator file mm-hmm. done this mm-hmm. way. Do you get that feeling, Matthew? What is your thought
2: on the art? I was actually kind of looking at it. What I really like is the way he defines everything with that thick outline. Yes, but it it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like you're being led into. Doesn't feel like you're being dragged around by the nose by the thick outline. Some people complain about Stuart Eminem when he was working on Next Wave, having that really thick. But I mean, the out of the face, the expressions, it looks done with you know a magic marker, great big, sh- 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 and I really like it. The the simplicity of it really masks the fact that it's it's high level art. It is. It really I is. Yeah, you I, talk, I could do that in a million years. I you wish talk about, I could do that. You talk
0: about you know expression. I mean, there, there's never any question about what a character is feeling, if they're a yeah. kid or they're an animal or anything like that. The the expressions are always
1: there. Yeah, in the first uh, in the first volume, the the the, the old salty uh, volume, there was this implication that some of the creatures could talk, and it made you really wonder if. Maybe this was all in the boy's head, and these are kind of nice little side vignettes, kind of like uh, uh, Babe the Blue Ox in Jack of Fables and his little side things that no one really knows (laughs) what's going on. Uh, But then there's points in this book where the animals come out and talk directly to the adults, and you're like, aha, so this is a magical kind of place, or this is a magical kind of world, which kind of even heightens uh, the idea that these two are having great adventures in a a wondrous land. Mm Mm-hmm. Define adult. Well, the the captain, Captain, what's his face? And see,
2: I don't know if I would call him an adult. He's he's a pirate who lives in a, a little house on the I edge mean, of you, town. He's you could true. definitely include
0: him in the list of magical creatures since he beats up a wolf.
2: Well, <laughs> that's and also what I he was Beats saying. up, you know, the giant
1: uh, lobster crab thing. and an yeah. old salt. Did thing.
2: we did we ever see the parents interact with the pirate? The, yes, they do interact with him
1: because mm. he knows them, and um, the kids say oh, you know, we're going to go hang out with so-and-so. And they're like, okay, well, have fun. He's a nice guy. In fact, in the first volume, the dad says, oh, you should go meet mm-hmm. so-and-so. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, yeah, so he's a real guy. They've well, seen I mean, him it's, in town. It's, and- it's
0: not like a Calvin and Hobbes situation where you don't know if this is all their imagination. Right. I mean, it's clear that this actually happens. Right. But the captain is kind of the, the thing and the kids. are kind of like this thing that straddles the weird stuff mm-hmm. that's happening. And the yeah. actual mundane world where their parents want them to clean up their rooms.
1: What What's right. really great about this is here both the dad and the captain both try to tell the same tale about how they got their hat from snatching it from uh, Barnabas' head. And yet they're just telling a tale. hmm And yet right. here these kids believe it so much that they have the bravado to climb up the tallest peak in Chowder Bay. Yeah. Very dangerous and snatch the hat from Barnabas' head.
2: Mm-hmm yeah
1: and succeed where their parents have failed, and I love the escape, or well, not the escape, but uh uh Jack is getting ready to fall off the mountain and he grabs <laughs> two of the two of the giant feathers and because of an event that happened earlier in the book where he got ripped off on on this little helicopter toy, he figures out that hey, I can make this kind of a whirly bird, and he floats down to safety, yeah, and his little I- brother Benny comes flying down on top of the eagle and said, "Oh, well, I gave him my crab hat."
2: Yeah. You know,
1: yeah. so he's we're friends now and so he gave me a ride and it's just like, "Wow." And it is a great kind of
0: last shot of this huge majestic evil with eagle with the, with the ridiculous with the crab, uh, hat crab hat.
2: The thing that works for me is how all of these all of these important MacGuffins are worked into the plot so incredibly organically. Yeah. Because One of the things that you you find out is that Barnabas can be fooled with blueberries. Yes. Well, earlier in the book, there was an important, you know, a seemingly throwaway scene where they're eating blueberries and there's big bushes of blueberries everywhere. Yeah, and in in the
1: escape from the wolf, also the blueberries play into that.
2: And, you know, they each get to pick a toy at the gift shop and one of them gets the crab hat that ends up saving the day and the other buys the the helicopter, which saves his life. It's It's not something where you look at it, When they're in the shop, it's a cute joke, and the the upshot of the joke is that one of them has a ridiculous hat and the other one got hosed, and it's not like, er, plot point, er, plot point. Right, it doesn't bite you over the head. But when you get to the point where it's you're you're just like, oh, that is so cool. Yeah. It's one of those things where the moment really just kind of pops up and goes, hey, I wish i thought of that. Now, this
1: is from Oni Press, and Matthew Liu, or Lowe, has done several other books. Lewix. Has done several other books.
0: (laughs) just making that up.
1: Side Scrollers has won uh, the American Library Association's Young, what is it, Literature Award, one of the top ten graphic novels for teens. This one is really set for the youth, seven up. And I think any seven-year-old, eight-year-old would fall in love with this title. Mm Mm-hmm. And I honestly think older, you know, if you have a family or you have a nephew or somebody that you want to sit down and enjoy a good comic book adventure with somebody, Mm -hmm. this might be one. And it's actually, you know, it's what, 80 pages or something like that. And it's in a small digest form so the younger kids can hold it. I would bet you could kind of break this up yourself as the adult into chapters. Mm -hmm. And say, okay, tonight we're going to read the first 15 pages, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to read the next 15, and then so on. And so over a week, you could build up this great adventure where I could see, you know, they're almost to the top of the mountain. Oh, Dad, what's going to happen next? We're going to have to find out tomorrow. Oh, this is such a great time.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Are you going to try to read this to your daughter, Matthew, or did you try, or did you show it to her?
2: no because i didn't grow up in the 50s no um,
1: <laughs> get out of my way kids. kids can fend every, for themselves every...
2: park in front of the tv that's what it's well, for part of it is my daughter right now is not terribly thrilled with comic books i brought her comics home from the store a couple of weeks ago Uh-oh. i told her we had a present for her and she got upset that it was comic books comic oh, oh. books
1: again i so hate that's not really a present
2: you have all the comic books, and that's not a present. You need to get me a toy. Yeah. Well, she's four. But it's 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 the kind of story that I could tell her. Yeah. And I appreciate that, but it's also not something where I'm reading it and going, man, this kid's book will never end. Because about the 57th time you have to read Tiki Tiki Tembo, No Saw Rembo, Cherry Berry Roochie, Pip Perry Pembo, off the top of your head, it kind of You know, you're like, man, can she be 20 already? Man,
1: I've already got uh, Goodnight Moon memorized.
2: See, I never read her that one solely because I... the the Moon freaks me out. The
1: kid... kid's favorite book he digs through the bottom of the pile until he pulls out good night moon walks over sits on your lap no matter how far you bury it no matter how far i bury it good night moon that's interesting <laughs> you
2: should totally bury it under the house
1: <laughs> he comes out with a shovel hey dad i want you to read this uh, but no back to back to uh saltwater taffy the next question i have is i don't know how many volumes are planned for the series Uh, The third volume...
2: 1,312. The third volume, which is coming out
1: in 2009, is called The Truth About Dr. True, and looks to be one of those uh, traveling snake oil salesman kind of things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, they're having adventures and solving mysteries and doing these kinds of things. Could you see this turned into the next greatest kids movie? Franchise? Franchise, yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: I could see it. I mean, it's got... It's got the same sort of elements that would drag you into a Harry Potter tale. Well, it, it, it's lacking a little bit in the whole soap opera aspect, but right.
1: But I mean the- it's not for like eleven, twelve, thirteen year olds. This is this is like this is like the, the set that likes uh um the last mimsy mm-hmm. type stuff.
2: I don't think anybody liked the last mimsy.
1: I thought it was alright.
2: <laughs> I didn't see it. Did camera. you ever see Mr. Megorium's Wonder? Yes, and boy? I
1: I saw that the other day too, and I thought I got about halfway th- the the last half of it. I thought, you know what, that's not too bad of a movie either, huh? And what I, was, there was I a, thought it
0: looked bad? I saw it and it, I was it like, it really eh. is
1: bad. But I mean, if you look at it from a kid's perspective, and mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, look at it from a kid's perspective, where they're really into m- anything magical is is possible, and imagination is really mm-hmm. big. And I think that's what you find in Saltwater Taffy and in. You know, Last Mimsy and all these kinds
0: of things. I would much rather watch a movie based on Saltwater Taffy than Mr. Magorium.
2: I agree. And, I mean, The Last Mimsy made Molly cry, so I would say that Saltwater Taffy is infinitely superior.
1: (laughs) All right, guys. So as we look at this book, and it's not really a trade. It's a graphic novel. It's a trade graphic novel. Mm -hmm. Um, Recommendations. Yes, no, pass. I mean, Uh, let's look at it from not just the younger set, but let's look at it from... All ages.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, it reads. If if nothing else, it reads quickly. So yes. Um, even if you wouldn't be really into that stuff, it, I mean, you can just breeze right through it. Yeah. Um, and I I liked it. Okay. So now I'd, you didn't I'd
1: read recommend it. You didn't read the first volume. No. Would you be interested in reading absolutely. the first volume? Are you
2: interested in reading volume three? Yeah. Okay, Matthew. I'm on board simply because it's well i mean uh, some of our hardcore bat fans may not be interested in it it's i mean it is a kid's story but it's a kid's story in the sense where you can read it as an adult and enjoy it from the kid perspective without having to go oh god it's another one of those you know it's my my problem with a lot of the comics that are written for kids is that they're consciously written for kids yeah, and yeah. over you know you're talking down to the kids Molly and I read an issue of Super Friends together, and she's four, and she's like, why is this book like school? <laughs> nice. Yeah, and it, this is, I mean, this is a story that's fun, and it's, you know, it's silly and it's epic. It kind of reminded me of Big Fish with Ewan McGregor yeah. mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and uh, Albert Finney, I think it was. it I mean, it's got that aspect of it to where the whole thing hinges on Dad telling the big lie. Yes. And then, of course, the big lie turns out to be true, at least from the boy's perspective. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, all, it, it, all of these that we've mentioned, Saltwater Taffy, The mm-hmm. Big Fish, um, Mr. Magorium, The Last Mimsy, all are telling fantastical tales. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes them really good. Oh, yeah. The that,
2: fantastical four, perhaps.
1: Oh,
0: But it's it's
1: fantastic
0: stuff from the standpoint of the real world. I mean, th- these don't deviate too far from the real world, like, say, Harry Potter, which takes place mostly in in a in magic,
1: magic dimension
2: land. yeah a magical high school
1: right well i'm giving this a big thumbs up i highly recommend it for anybody of all ages uh, but most are. importantly Uh, To anybody that has younger kids, and if you're wanting to get them into comic books and maybe getting them to appreciate art, because as Rodrigo said, this is high art. Matthew said that. (laughs) Matthew said that. I'm sorry. It's all right. Because I'm awesome. Uh, You know, you two are so alike.
0: Hello, I am Matthew. (laughs) Hello, I'm Rodrigo.
2: Let's do that next week, Rodrigo. (laughs) You be me, and I'll be you. You kids, get off
0: my line. I remember in uh, Teen Titans number one thirty-seven came out in nineteen sixty-four. <laughs> I don't remember because I was only three. <laughs> and I am
2: Rodrigo. I have no idea why we're Italian <laughs> <Yeah>. now. Why <laughs> are we?
1: <laughs> Saltwater taffy, highly recommended by everybody on the panel.
2: True. Uh, anybody got a haiku to close us out? Um. Indeed, I do. All right, man. This haiku is the one I have. And now it's over. Excellent. Major spoilers
0: rules. Steven and Rodri go and Matthew too. There you go.
1: <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us this week on the show. Don't forget, I know some of you are out there. I got an email from somebody the other day that says, hey, I love listening to your podcast. Um, you know, a lot of people really got into our discussion last week about... Batman? Batman. No, not Batman. Um,
2: I'm the Batman. What
1: did we review last week? Uh, I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't remember either, but no, it was. <laughs> but it was freaking great, Must have been man. great. Well, you know, we were talking about Star Wars, mm-hmm. and a lot of people really dug our conversation about Star Wars. I've had more emails over that one well, episode and not- Star Wars than I have in the last ten episodes put together. Mm-hmm. It's great. Star- Wars, one nothing, nothing but... <laughs> no, I'm going to have to find that, that disco version. Uh, one thing that amazes me about what everybody says in their emails is, love the podcast, listen to it every week, I tell all my friends. And I think that's the, if you could take away one, one message from this entire uh, uh, rant... Uh, tell your friends about the Major Spoilers Podcast. Spread the word, because the more people that listen, the more great things that we can do. Certainly, you know, if we had 5,000 listeners, we would be able to give away some most awesome prizes. Mm-hmm. And believe me, there is a contest just around the corner that is going to have a most awesome prize. Ooh, I think, a most awesome prize. Which I'm not prize. eligible for. Which Rodrigo's not eligible for, but I bet you we could get you one anyway. Is it an uh, Oldsmobile? Because uh, <laughs> i an Oldsmo Buick for Matthew?
2: That'd be awesome.
1: Everybody listen to the show. Tell your friends. Download the show multiple times. Let's push those numbers Wake up. Wake the kids. Phone let's, the neighbors. Let's see if we can't get tell 5,000. Green Lantern. <laughs> let's see if we can't get 5,000 new listeners by, Five by January 1. By the end of the year, our goal is 5,000 listeners. Wow. Can and you And if do we make
2: it? it, I will do an entire podcast as Hannibal Lecter. Excellent. <laughs> and... If you do it, it will be I will the give away. Ever, I will
1: probably give away, if we have 5,000 listeners by the January, the first January show that we do, I will be giving away prize after prize after prize on that show. We may even do a live show and I may give away things live. <gasps> <gasps> We're I not have?
2: nearly as clever without a script. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, wait a minute.
1: There's a script? Uh, you guys. It's, it's It has to be abundantly clear
0: to everybody that we do not rehearse in any sort of way. It's okay, so no, obvious
1: by this outro. Anyway, tell your friends, please. <laughs> Let's get 5,000 people. If you have questions, comments, uh, if you want to friend us over at MySpace, myspace.com slash major spoilers, uh, you can find uh, Matthew every Sunday at Gatekeeper's uh, Comics and Hobbies there on uh, Huntoon and Gage in Topeka. That'll be the lot bagging comics. You can find Rodrigo driving up and down the highways and byways of this Find state going and interviewing people left and right for all sorts of fantastical stuff yep uh me you can find sitting in my chair as my ass grows fatter uh but if you would like <laughs> Do you suck eggs yes <laughs> <laughs>
0: you get over
1: i'm gonna stop there all right uh, again questions comments topic ideas whatever <laughs> if you'd like to sponsor the show just drop us an email at podcast at Majorspoilers.com. Now, next week is Thanksgiving, and we are going to spend the week doing fun, uh, family things. I think mine is going to be spent playing World of Warcraft, mm-hmm. uh, The Wrath of the Lich King. You know, family stuff uh, with my one-year-old. Uh, but so next week, since people will be traveling and we will doing holiday things, we're going to do like we did for our, our one-year anniversary for the Major Spoilers site. Uh, we've got behind-the-scenes shows, special shows, commentary, conversations that we've had. After our regular show, or sometimes before our regular show, Mm -hmm. they were going to throw up. Everybody seemed to like those things before... Uh, so we're going to do it again, and nobody complained too hard. Nobody complained. In th- fact, uh, we had huge downloads on those. Nice. Uh, I don't know if we're going to have one for every day of the week, mm-hmm. but I know we have at least five or six. So be looking on Let's the feed have
2: one for every day of the week. Okay. I'm Rodrigo, and I, I say so.
1: You know what? I may <laughs> even maybe I'll record a couple special ones with some interviews just for you people, mm-hmm. so that you can catch up on some other things that are going on. Uh, but be checking out the website majorspoilers.com or make sure you have subscribed. Uh, through iTunes or Podcast Alley or your RSS feed or however that you're getting the show and be looking for that next week, which means we're going to miss episode 50, which is fine because apparently 50 episodes is nothing to sneeze at anymore. It's no big deal. Mm. Uh, so I'm thinking we'll probably be back with episode 60 uh, the week after next, mm. and then we'll have a couple more episodes and we'll hit Christmas. Now, on our next <laughs> <laughs> our next, I don't know, our next regular podcast, not these special podcasts, we will be talking about Lock and Key, Welcome to Lovecraft from IDW Publishing. Spooky times. IDW. And I have it on good word that somebody in our podcast panel absolutely loves this. And I'm, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it, but I don't love it like this guy loves it. Who's sitting across from me? Uh so- Brian. I
2: think it is me. I am Rodrigo, and I love the lock and the key.
1: Lock and key. Welcome to Lovecraft. IDW Publishing. That's what we're going to be talking about in two weeks, because that we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will see you real soon.
2: Rodrigo says bye-bye. Stop talking about comic books, or I'll kill you. I don't care if the Hulk could defeat the Man of Steel.
0: And I don't care if Spider-Man's a clone that outro was long almost as long as the show man oh man oh man america we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights life liberty and the pursuit of happiness at grand canyon university we believe in equal opportunity and the american dream starts with purpose by honoring your career calling